bow your heads as we enter into a prayer this morning, inviting God to be with us and present. God of glory and God of might, who reveals himself, who lights up the skies, who lights up our hearts and our minds with your power and with your presence, with your word spoken and known. We invite you here. We thank you that you are a God who promises to be present with us. Open our ears, our eyes to see and know that you are truly close, that you are truly here. We're especially thankful this morning as we gather. We are conscious and remembering Memorial Day as it approaches, as we celebrate the sacrifice that others have gone before us who are currently serving in our U.S. military. Lord, we thank you for their families, for their service. Genuinely and honestly, we thank you for the way in which they have chosen to serve their country and this community by giving of themselves their time and their lives. We seek to honor them and honor you in this day. We rejoice that you are bringing home the Ethiopia group to us. We rejoice that you have kept them safe thus far. Bring them all the way home that they might once again rejoin this church family. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this chance to hear your word preached and known, to sing your praises, and to honor you. It's in your name, Jesus Christ, that we pray and trust. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat this morning. Uh, as I just mentioned there, uh, the Ethiopia group is returning. Um, Pastor Bob will be back next week. He will continue on with the sermon series about uh, being radical and parenting, I believe is where he's picking up. So if, uh, if you want to hear more about what God has to say about parenting, uh, come next week. Listen and, and hear and see. Um, we thank God that they have been safe thus far. God has really had his hand upon them. They've been blogging. I don't know if you guys have seen that online and stuff, but they've been blogging. So if you're interested in hearing more about their trip uh, already, you can check out their blog. It's really, it's got some cool things in there. So uh, my name, once again, is Andrew Sir. Uh, I'm, I'm a Luther seminarian, and so I'm studying to be a pastor. I had a chance to be with you last week. For those of you who were uh, uh, there, we wrote a sermon together. Do you remember that? Some, some nods. Yeah, we wrote a sermon together. It was really cool. i got to share with you the, the tools and the practice of how we write a sermon, going step by step through the process. Right? And if you remember, we talked about a gentleman named Naaman. Naaman. We looked at 2 Kings chapter 5, and we heard about Naaman. And Naaman had a lot of success. Right? He had wealth. He had connections. He had a lot of success. But he had the reality of leprosy. A disease, right? And so as we followed Naaman's story, we saw that, yeah, he had some major blunders, a couple big mistakes, some expectations, right? But God's grace prevailed over and against his blunders, right? This is what we looked at last week, and, and, and we learned how to write a sermon based on that story. So this week I was thinking, and I was processing, and I was praying, and I decided, well, it would be cool. Now that we've written a sermon together... I would love to share with you on how to preach a sermon. How to preach a sermon. As a seminarian, I've been learning about how to preach a sermon. And as I try to think about how, you know, how do you preach a sermon? Like, really? How do you describe that? 
the best way that I can describe preaching a sermon, it's taking the text and giving it flesh. It's taking the text and giving it flesh. It's taking it and hearing it as it relates to us as people. Right? It's, it's, it's taking it from this distant book and actually hearing how and why and what this means to us, to us as people. And so preaching is all about being able to give to one another the reality, these truths, these messages, these, this, these things that we've discerned and studied, and now hearing it given to us and to one another. That's kind of what preaching is about. And as I was trying to discern, how in the world am I going to show people how to do that? I figured the best way that I can show you how to preach a sermon is to tell you a story. Grace, your hands are sticky, he said as he walked down the stairs, noticing the four-year-old handprints along the wall. It means she got into the sticky buns from yesterday he had brought home and, oh no, she's already loaded up with sugar and that goop that just covers all over the Cinnabons. You know what I'm talking about. It's Sunday morning and she's already gotten into the sugar in the house. Unbelievable. He's tired. He made it to the bottom of the stairs and looked up and, oh, for a moment his heart lifted. He saw that his Keurig machine was ever faithful, ever true, and he walked over and grabbed his super dad mug out from underneath and just smelled life in a cup, coffee in the morning. Grace, Grace, where are you? We're going to be late for church. He hated being late. He's the kind of guy who likes his rhythm, you know, his routine. He likes things done in a certain way. Just like he likes his morning cup of coffee, he does not like to be late for church. When you roll out of bed in the morning and you're already late, it's just, ooh, it's one of those things that gets you frazzled and mad and all that patience that you think you have in the morning, whoop, gone, right? Before you even have touched the floor, you know it's going to be one of those days. You have no patience. It's probably cloudy outside, right? It's one of those days. That's the way it was for him. And now he's going to be late and he's frazzled. He had stayed up, though, for a reason. His wife had called. She was on her second tour in Afghanistan. When you get those calls, you take those calls. So he slept in a little bit. 20 minutes. It was difficult, his wife being away, but it was a sacrifice that, you know, his family was okay with. It really meant in a lot of ways that he was a single dad for Grace, his four-year-old daughter. He felt that weight and that longing to be with his wife, but he knew she was doing an incredible thing. And they were okay with that. And it meant in this morning, he was responsible for getting Grace to church. Grace! Oh, 
Here she comes, bounding around the corner, fully attired, princess crown, you know, the little pink tutu is going on. He's a fun dad, you know, he is, he's a fun dad. And she comes coming around the corner, bouncing up and down. Definitely she's gotten into the sugar, you can tell. And lo and behold, her hands are, have the sticky buns, right? One of them has a big bite out of it, and she runs up and she says, Good morning, Dad! He forces a smile. Thanks, honey, this is great. Oh, wonderful, you managed to get stickiness everywhere, didn't you? Yeah, you did, you got stickiness everywhere. You are covered in this stuff. How did you get so... Can you go wash up, please? We're going to be late for church already. Can you go ahead and wash up? We've got to be in church. Um, I'll, I'll take care of breakfast. Thank you. You've had those kind of mornings. Church was the way it always is every Sunday. He actually really likes church because it's a chance for him to be alone with other adults and not feel the pressures of having to watch uh, his child all the time. It was a chance for him to kind of step outside of that and really just rest. So he would drop her off at Sunday school knowing that she was going to be uh, happy and, and excited coming out of it. So he got a chance to enter into worship. And he sang his songs. Two of them they sang today were his special favorites. And he listened to the sermon. And if I do say so myself, it was a great sermon. It was about Naaman. It was about Naaman from the Old Testament. And Naaman had a lot of problems and a lot of, a lot of issues. He had blundered and made a lot of mistakes. He was really successful in some ways. But he also had a lot of mistakes. And the preacher talked about how you know, God's, God's grace and love was bigger than those mistakes. He should remember that, he thought. After the service was over, he went, out, went over to pick up his beautiful daughter, and out she came, still in her tutu, and she held up the popsicle cross that she had made. You know, one of those crafts that they make all the time, right? Popsicle cross. And she looked up at Dad and said, Dad, Jesus loves you. And he looked down and he smiled at the glue that was freshly dripping down her hand and onto her tutu and thought, oh, now I get to do laundry today too. Awesome. You know, but, but he said, honey, this is lovely. This is beautiful. We'll put it in the special box for when mom comes home so that she can see it. Thank you. Jesus loves me. Yes, I can. Thank you, Grace. Grace, Grace you're sticky again, though. So can you wash some of the stickiness off, Grace? And then we'll go home, okay? We'll go home after you clean up a little sticky, okay? When they got home, well, it was Sunday afternoons. They did what they did every Sunday afternoon. It was a chance for him to work. He still worked. He was a software engineer. And so she would, you know, Grace would go off and do whatever it is that four-year-olds in pink tutus do, and he would sit down to work. He felt a lot of pressure, though. He felt a ton of pressure from work. 
Just twice a year, it really mattered. His job was really flexible and allowed him to stay at home with his daughter. Sometimes he wondered if he was more a taxi driver than he was a software engineer trying to get her to you know, ballet on time. And then there were swim lessons and tumbling. But you know, he was a software engineer and allowed him that flexibility. He was the captain of a five-man team. They were spread out across the entire nation. And they would work six months diligently programming setting up these incredibly complex programs. And at the end of the six months, he would get dressed up, looking sharp and good, and have to go give a presentation of his product. Right? So his team would work really hard, really, really diligently, and then he would go and present it to the powers that be, hoping and praying that everything worked. But he felt that pressure, and that pressure was coming up. It was coming up next weekend. He was going to have to... He was going to have to hit it just right. You know that pressure when everything has to be just right at work. And he didn't want to let down his, his, his team. He was the captain. He wanted to be smart and make wise decisions, be articulate. If they didn't like the product, he didn't want to think about it. He had never been unemployed before. They would get through it. Man, that was a lot of pressure to feel, though. Twice a year, lots of pressure weighing down on him. And Grace, you know, she suffered because of it. You know, he was a really good dad. He tried really hard to be a good dad. But he got a little stressed. Every six months, you know. And that morning, his patience was already gone. He just was stressed. His head was swimming. Swimming. It's all that stuff that just clutters up your mind. They had breakfast for dinner that night. He made scrambled eggs. Put some cheese over the top. Melted that in there. Popped out the toast, grabbed it, picked up a knife, started to put some peanut butter and a little bit of honey on there. Yeah, right? It was pretty methodical. His thoughts were pretty distant. He wasn't sure where Grace was. He just was thinking about his wife. He was thinking about his job. And as he put the knife down, it was just at that wrong angle. You know what I'm talking about? You put a, a knife or a piece of silverware down at just that wrong angle on the table, and out of the corner of the eye, you can see it. It starts to fall. It makes that terrible noise of silverware hitting the floor. And it's one of those things. It's one of those little things that just bothers you. You have no patience. You feel the weight of your job. You miss your wife. You're trying to be a good dad. You were late this morning to church. Then silverware is falling. Ah! It was one of those moments. He came this close to letting a four-letter word slip. He looked around to see if Grace was there. She'd 
seeing his moment. He didn't see her. Daddy? Maybe she had seen his moment. He turned around and he saw his little girl there. She had picked up the knife that had fallen and she stood there with two hands. She wasn't gripping the safe side. No, no. She was gripping the sticky side. She was gripping the blade. I mean, she was gripping the dangerous side. Honey, what are you doing? Don't hold it like that. Don't. What, give it to me. Don't. He did not mean to be that harsh. As soon as the words were out of his mouth, he wished he could just suck them right back in. He didn't mean to be that harsh. Honey, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Dad's just tired. Just, can you, uh, why don't you go clean up your st- sticky again, Grace? Go, uh, go wash up. I'll finish making dinner. Later that night, he was walking up the stairs and he noticed the handprints of the gooeyness were still on the walls. I've got to clean those before I go to bed. I've got to remember to do that, he thought. This was a sacred moment, though, walking up the stairs. This was part of his rhythm, his routine. It was a really intimate moment for him and his daughter, Grace, right? You see, he would, every single night, he would walk up, he would open the door, they would say prayers together. And then the best moment of the night, he would sit on the bed with her. And he'd do the tuck-in thing. You know how kids like that. And then he would lean real close. And he would say, Grace, I love you. Grace, I'll never leave you. Grace, my love will always be there for you. He would kiss her right on the nose. Grace needed that. You see, Grace, Grace was adopted. And trying to explain adoption to a young four-year-old is really tough. And then you put on top of that the reality that mom, mom is constantly gone. So this is one of the moments where he can be a good dad. He can be a good dad. He leans forward. He looks at his daughter and he says, I love you. I will be there for you. My love will never leave you. This was his moment to be a good dad. But tonight, as he walked up the stairs and opened the door, She was already in bed. She'd done the cocoon thing, you know, where they just kind of roll up. She was sitting there, wide-eyed. Did you say your prayers? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. He came in. 
He sat on the bed. He leaned forward. And as he was about to say, I love you, something happened. The little body started to move. And all of a sudden, two hands shot up out of the blanket. And they reached up and they grabbed his face. They were sticky. How could they be sticky? They pulled him close and he looked him square in the eye. And Grace said, Dad, I love you. I'll always be here for you. That. That is what it means to preach. That's what it means to preach. Preaching is those, it's those precious moments when you pull someone close, you look them intently in the eye, and you say, God loves you. His love is constant. It will never go away. His love is, you know, sticky. Grace is sticky. That's what preaching is. Preaching are those moments where you look at your, your spouse you look at your son, your daughter, your mother, your father, your friend, your acquaintance, your co-worker, your boss. Preaching are those moments where you pull them in close. You look at them intently and you say, God's grace is sticky and it is stuck on you. God's grace seeps into the cracks in our lives, and it holds us together. This does not mean that there will not be difficult moments. This does not mean that there won't be challenges. It doesn't mean that you don't have to visit the hospital or hold someone's hand as they slip away. Or deal with your kid coming home having been busted by drugs. It doesn't mean you don't have to have those hard conversations with a friend who's doing something he shouldn't be doing. But it does mean that grace will stick with you through it. God's love and grace will stick with you through it. People ask me sometimes when I'm preaching or talking, when I'm speaking with them, what should I do? G give me a challenge. Give me a something that I can really you know, look to, an application or something. Here's my challenge for you, my application for you. Go preach. 
Go preach. Step close to someone you know this week. Look at them intently and tell them God's grace is sticky and it's stuck on you. I hope you hear that. I hope you know that this morning. As you go throughout your week, God's grace goes with you. It is constant. It is forever. It is final. It's sticky. And it's stuck on you. Let's bow our heads in prayer. God of grace, of sticky grace, I confess to you, Father, that too often I go throughout my day and I feel like my patience is gone and I try to do the right things, I try to be a good person, I strive to be the person you ask me to be, but I also blunder, just like Naaman, I have struggles, I look to my success, I look to my failures and I feel trapped by them. I confess to you that sometimes grace is just running around me and it doesn't really truly have my attention. And I thank you. I thank you, Father, that you take the time to grab hold of me and say, I love you. My grace is with you. Thank you that your grace is sticky. I need sticky grace. We as a church body trust in that grace is by the power of your name believing and knowing that you are true to your word that you love us and your grace is forevermore. In your name we pray. Amen.